How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today we're doing a little bit of a different one, <clears throat> changing some things up. This isn't so much as a Q&A as it is uh, just a regular Bible study on a topic that uh, I feel is uh, a really important topic that we should discuss. We should take a look at, see what does the Bible say about this. Now we're going to be talking about things like continuationism, cessationism, talking about uh, the supernatural uh, in relation uh, to born-again Christianity, because there's an awful lot of people out there who are professed Christians who really struggle with this and trying to figure out do miracles, signs, wonders, these kinds of things happen today? How does it work? You know, how do we seek it or do we not seek it or does it actually happen? Because there's a lot of people out there um, on different sides of the fence that uh, really don't quite understand this one. And it's due to an uh, awful lot of it is fear. Fear of uh, certain mindsets, of certain thoughts, uh, certain uh, subjects, topics. So we're going to be looking at a bunch of these different things. As I titled it, The Mystic Mind. The Mystically Minded. Now, we're going to be discussing that. As I know, there will be some people who will be all up in arms because they don't like that word. We're going to be discussing the actual meaning of the words and what they actually stand for. And uh, so if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding this study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it is not related to the topic at hand, if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. All right, so what I wanted to do uh, to start this off is back up a bit, and uh, we're going to be taking a look at what we discussed in Matthew chapter 6 in our walkthrough of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, we talked a lot about the provision of the Lord, how the Lord provides, and about how we take no thought. We went over this a lot. <laughs> take no thought and how the Lord will provide he will he will always uh, come through he always hears he always help us we don't need to beg the Lord um, we don't need to doubt worry fear we went over so much of these things we went over so much of this about how uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things what things what things whatever you have need of it will be provided the Lord will provide so Went over a lot of this now what i wanted to bring in here <clears throat> hey good morning folks good morning thank you so much for joining in uh what i want to go over here is tying this in as we see in john 15 7 if ye abide in me and my word abides in you ask what you will and it shall be done unto you and then we see ask you shall receive seek you shall find knock and it shall be open now talking about the provision not just provision but also in provision in a spiritual context as well like for example as we see in mark chapter 16 mark chapter 16 verse 20 and they went forth and preached everywhere and the lord working with them confirming the word with signs following okay this is where we're going to be jumping into so pairing 
uh, at the that bit on Matthew chapter six with Mark sixteen twenty, <clears throat> we see the Lord is with us, and remembering His promises of provision and help and protection and guidance and wisdom and teaching and instruction. He gives us the words which to say. He teaches us how to pray and on and on. He is our armor. He is our sword. He is our strength. He is our shield, our guide. He is our light, light into our feet, a lamp into our uh, a path. Lamp into our feet or light into our path. At the backwards. Uh, but uh, we see the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, the Christian life is much more than just the gathering together. It, it, it is that, but it's more than the church going, the Bible reading, the praying. It is more than the preaching. It's all of these combined, and yet there's so much more. There is the personal fellowship. The personal fellowship. Where we fellowship with the Lord, not because we have to in any way. It's not a have to. It's a want to. And I know I've talked about this a lot. I'm going to go over it all again because repetition is the tool of the teacher. Wanting to. Now I went over, as we talked about before, and talked about how take no thought and not to worry about it, not to fear about it, and ask the question again and again and again. Do you actually believe this? Do you actually believe in the reality of the supernatural? Do you believe in heaven, hell, angels, devils, God, the devil? It's all real. Do you believe it's all real? This spiritual plane that surrounds us full of the of the spiritual war and the spiritual goings-ons and you believe that that when god speaks the angels carry their messages and they come and uh, just like they see in daniel do you believe these things think about it for a moment because we easily forget it we easily forget these things and what happens is the christian faith becomes now, I don't want to abuse this word, but you know what I mean. It becomes hyper-religious. Now, religion is the outward physical activities, actions, the physical carryings out of one's belief of faith. But we get focused more on that. We get focused more on the physical. We get focused on, on, on really emphasizing and paying attention to what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. Am I doing this right? Am I saying these words right? Am I doing this or whatever? That's not so much as the issue. We're meant to be focusing on the spiritual, but you see the flesh, the enemy in the world throws up all kinds of, of dust clouds and distractions and hindrances and gets our eyes focused back on the physical again. Because as we see, the devil don't care if you go to church or read your Bible, just as long as you don't apply it to your life. Because what happens, what happens 
when we do start to apply these things to our lives. We see our faith increases, the prayers become more fervent and more personal. It becomes more real, it becomes more, I could say, you. There's more you, like seriousness. The, the, it, the prayer life, the, the devotional life, the spiritual life becomes more real. The spiritual becomes more tangible. But when we're so focused on the outward, and not focused on the inward, not focused on the spiritual, our beliefs become dry religiosity. The books, the dusty books, the dusty, musty books, and everything they contain, and we become scholars of knowledge, and we have great abounding knowledge, but no wisdom. See, knowledge is good, but wisdom, the application of it. Because what are we gaining all these things for? What are you reading all the books for? What are you gaining all the knowledge for? Just to get smarter? Just to know more? To know more about church traditions and history and other writers? It's not wrong. It's not wrong to have knowledge. It's not wrong to study these things and to learn all these things. But, but why? Why? For what purpose? You see, throughout the Word of God, we see so much of the prophets and the apostles, the disciples of them, they sought out the face of God and not as much as the physical. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to get to that. Just hear me out. They went forth. They didn't hole up. They were street preachers, not building hiders. They would go out to the wilderness to seek the face of God because to them, this world did not mean as much to them as the spiritual world did. Even Charles Spurgeon, for example, is at one point of saying that the spiritual reality is more real to him than you are. Now think about that one just for a moment. Think about that one just for a moment. If we go back to Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth. So go forth everywhere, and they went forth everywhere preaching the word, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Yes, it's great, and it's it's powerful, it's it's good to read, study, and memorize the word of God right and proper and so we should but why are you doing it why just reading and studying and memorizing the word of god like some monk in a monastery somewhere because that's what we're supposed to do and doing this is my mystic responsibility no you've missed the point you've completely missed the point 
You see, the words on the page are not just words on a page. It's not just a book of knowledge. Yes, it contains knowledge, but that's not, if I could say, the purpose of it. The purpose of the Word of God is to learn more about the actual person of God so you can grow in a closer actual knit relationship with him so you can actually get to know more about the person it's like when you meet somebody you really like them and you start to become friends what do you do you ask questions about them what kind of music you into what kind of hobbies you like what kind of sports do you like and what what do you do for a living how old are you what's your name and then so you you gain things about them so that you can draw closer to them So is the word of God. The scriptures are all about the Lord, him, who he is, what he did, what he's accomplished, what he's going to do, what he did for us, how much he loves us. And it's all about him so that we can draw closer in our understanding and grasp of him so we can hold him that much closer. That's what the word of God is about. Prayer is not just some religious obser observation. Where we, we, uh, where the, it's something that we do because we're supposed to do, because we're supposed to, we're supposed to thank God, we're supposed to bless Him, but why? Now I've asked that question before, but why? Why are we praying? Why are we praying? You see, The, the wrong view about this is, is many people think that the more I read, the more I pray, the closer to God I'll be. The error, the wrong mysticism is that the, if, if I pray longer, I'm more holy. If I pray longer, pray more. I'll be closer to God and I'll be more holy, more godly, more I'll be more special and I'll grow my faith will grow more big if I pray more. No, it's not Why are you wanting to pray more? Because you want to talk to him. It's like when you're with your best friends, with your with your family and you talk to them and you have long conversations. Why are you having long conversations? Because you love them and you, you love being with them. You love being near them and you love talking to them. It's in the reason. It's in the point. It's in the intention. Why? Ask the question why. You see, it's the mindset of how we are looking at this. Why do you wear the clothes you wear to church? Why, why are you ca carrying that color Bible? Why are you singing those hymns? Why are you sitting in that place in church? Why, why are you going to church? Why do you talk to the people that you're talking to? So you ask questions, you see the intention, the purpose, the intention, the desire. So now I understand that some people may have issues with, um, certain words that I'm using when I want to talk about that one just for a moment. You see, there's a great fear within the religionists and, and people that are being taken by the indoctrination of the religionists to be 
fearful of certain topics, fearful of certain words, and abstain from, from certain uh, applications because they don't like it. Now, like, for example, when, when I talk about meditation, we see the Bible does teach meditation. To meditate on the word of God day and night. It's not about that stupid, idiotic, just empty your brain, think of nothing, but, but listen to the gong kind of nonsense garbage. It's not about that. But, but to meditate on the word of God, the word here, similar to, to contemplate, to chew the fat, to take something and you go over and over and over it. Uh, like you take a Bible verse like John three sixteen and look at every word. You look at how it's said, what it's saying, how it's put together, this, why those words, what do those words mean, the sentence structure, and you go over the whole thing. You get all of the nutrients out of it. That's what it means to meditate on these things. The supernatural that's that, that's above natural it's greater than natural it's more uh, it's that which is not of the natural physical plane but something above that is over supernatural so we see the supernatural how the lord works like how he turned water to wine parted the sea and all the different miracles and things that he does that defies the laws of physics now, we take a look at certain words, like when I use the word um, mystic or mysticism, I'm using the, the base general meaning of this. Mystic, for example, means one who believes in unseen realities. Do we not? One who believes they can have access to hidden mysteries that transcend ordinary human knowledge. The things of the spirit of, spirit of the Lord, things of the Lord are, and cannot be accepted by the natural man, for he he cannot understand it, for they are spiritually discerned. It takes the spirit of God to give the understanding of the word of God. This book transcends ordinary human knowledge. No, not no, just base general man can pick this up and understand it. It go, it's supernatural. And one who believes they can actually know God. Do we not? Now, there is a right and wrong form, and we're going to be discussing this. How, how the Lord had, had everything first. He, has his he had his uh, uh, prophets, he had his teachers, he had his priests, had his ways first, and the devil takes it and rips, off, rips it off. He tries to create corrupted copycats. And we, we see how uh, they corrupt everything. Corrupted meditation, corrupted contemplation, corrupted uh, prayers, corrupted worship, and all these things. Now, what is then, in the proper general sense the mystic mindset of one who one who knows that there's a there's a greater reality that one who knows and understands how there's greater mysteries and things that to be understood and one who knows and believes they can actually know god how does this apply to the saint when we take a look at the apostles they would gather together for worship why why what would they do we see in Acts 2.42, they gather together in fellowship and worship and breaking of bread and in prayers and study of the doctrines. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do, because that's what Jesus said we should do. But why? Like I said, it's to know 
gr uh, to know more about, to grow in a greater understanding and grasp of the person of Jesus Christ, of the person of God. Because in doing these things, we're, we suppress the flesh with the affections and lust thereof, because what is the flesh trying to do? Pull us back into the ways of the world in mindset. The first thing the enemy attacks is the mind. He attacks the way you see things, the way you think of things, the way you hear things. He attacks your senses. Then he attacks your imagination. He attacks your thoughts. He tries to tear all of these things down to get us very base, very base level, to bring us back to almost like the way we looked at the faith when we were unsaved. He's trying to bring us back, to reset us back into that mindset. But the Lord wants to hold our minds, and I like to say sometimes with our minds in the clouds, like we're already there. Viewing the faith like you're already there. In the joy, in the praise, in the peace, in the understanding that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The mind. The mind. You see, the mystically minded is your mind is held in the mysteries of god in, in the in the, also known as the mysterion the ways of god the things of him going over and over in our minds what we are doing and everything that you do do all to the glory of god i talk about the the christ mindfulness mindfulness of christ where everywhere we go and everything that we do we're mindful of him, bringing him with us because we want him with us in fellowship. No matter what we're doing, from the most uh, most mundane practices of our daily life to, to all of the greater things. One who believes in unseen realities, understanding that, that in everything that I'm doing, there's the Lord is trying to help me to, to know how to better understand and better do it, and the enemy trying to corrupt it. I'm always beset. Well, how can I navigate through this? Lord, what, what would thou have me to do? So you see, whatever helps us maintain biblical spirituality in the doctrinal sense. Now, what I mean by that is by what the Bible says, not just for, well, I just feel that if I go about this in this way, no, 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 you've completely corrupted. There's a right and wrong mysticism. Wrong mysticism, thinking that these things make you more accepted. Like, for example, we talked about like head coverings or prayer shawls, fancy clothes, to wearing the beads and the crosses. The, the doing, the not doing, certain things that, if that, that, that the base observances of these things make me more accepted. No, you've missed the point. The length of prayers, the needing to. Thinking that, well, I need to jabber in Flintstone tongues or something like this. That's all wrong mysticism. It's, you've corrupted it. Now, as you see, a biblical meditation, bi biblical contemplation, biblical prayers, biblical fasting. Now, what is biblical mysticism? It's simplicity. Simplicity. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the person of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus keep telling the disciples? 
Come to me. Look to me. Listen to me. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your stuff. Stop looking at your observances. Rather, look at the why. The intention. The intention. The moment that you, that you state it, well, I need to, I have to, you've missed it. You've corrupted it. You've, you've completely missed the point. It's not about the things. It's not about the action. It's about the direction. Who, who, what is this directed to and for? Because I want to be with the Lord. Because I want to hear his voice. Because if I don't, I'll fall apart. Because he holds me together. He is my strength. He strengthens the feeble knees. He confirms the weak ankles. He lifts up the hands that hang down. He gives me the strength to stand. He, he is my armor. He is my shield, my sword. He is my light, my lamp. He is my bread, my water. He is my life. He is my strength. He teaches me how to pray. And I am nothing without him. I'm nothing without him. It's not about a, it's seeking a power, like we see with the, uh, the corrupted view of like the Bethel cult in Redding, California, where they believe where they've actually turned it, it into almost like an occultic form of just it, like it's magic. It's not what it's about. It's not about you getting stronger, more powerful. You have no power. That's the thing. We are nothing. We're talking stones, but the Lord by his great word, spoke this dirt, this dust, these stones into life. And he breathed in, into him the breath of life and created a living soul. And I want to know more about him who scraped me together. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. It's not about whether, whether or not, you know, the supernatural signs and wonders and miracles happen today or not. That's not even a question. Whether cessationism or continuationism. It's not about that. When did, when, when did the Lord cease to be able? Can the Lord part the sea today if he so willed? Yeah, then why is it even a question? But rather it's, it, it's not looking at the miracles, the signs and wonders, but rather looking at him who is speaking it. Him. Who is doing it we're not looking at the thing we're looking at him biblical mysticism dying to self dying to self which i must decrease he must increase dying to self and walk that in thinking and speaking and working that in the spirit of the lord we are we are walking thinking speaking working in everything that we do it's in the spirit of the Lord. We're in fellowship with him. The continual fellowship. Where if I could say that in every moment of the day, I can feel his calloused hand wrapped around mine. I'm walking hand in hand with him all day, every day. When I wake up in the morning, I reach out and I want to feel his hand. 
I need the Lord. I need him that much closer to me because I know how incapable I am. I know how weak I am. I know how frail I am. I know that if I'm left to my own, I'll corrupt everything. I'll fall apart. Contemplating the spiritual aspects of everything. Taking nothing for granted. From the greatest issues to the most mundane. As we see in Psalms 63 verse 6, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. To remember the Lord when we're alone. Remembering the Lord when we're out in town, around with others. I remember thee. We see see as well, ye who are the remembrancers of the Lord, give him no rest. We may take rest, but that we would even seek that even in our very dreams, we would hear the we, we would hear the word of God, we would remember the Lord, that he would protect our thoughts, protect our dreams. He'd protect us from, from the dark influences of the enemy to bring in the nightmares and bad images and temptations, these things. And we seek that the Lord would, would, would take hold of our very imagination. For as we see, the enemy takes the, these ideas and corrupts it and tries again and again and again so much, so often, to try to make it about us. Well, did I do this thing right? Did I not do this enough? Am I not good enough? Is God angry at me because this, uh, because X, Y, Z? It's not about that. For when will the Lord forget us? When will he ever leave us or forsake us? Where we, where, when would he ever let us go? Won't. He said he wouldn't. He promised. He said, "I'll, I'll always be with you." He says, "I will always forgive you." For if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what it's about. The biblical sense of the terms, the biblical sense of these things transcend ordinary human knowledge because it's not about human knowledge. It's not about knowing something enough because you can't know it. You can't wrap your whole mind around these things because the Lord is infinite and I am finite. I am limited. I can't understand everything, but I know but I know he is able. I may not know how he'll carry it out, but I know as he promised he would. I don't know how he can hold me together by him all things consist, but I believe it. I may not understand it, but I believe it. I may not understand all the word of God, but I believe it. So we see how on a surface level, that, that how so many people would fail to understand this. And they try to create off variants, encrypted variants, like the cults do. They think by their much speaking, as the Bible says, that God, that God will hear them for their much speaking. 
They think, well, if I say this prayer enough times, if I if I attend church enough times, if I read my Bible enough times in a day, if I hand out enough tracts, if I've done this, done that, if I do this, do that, if I don't do this and don't do that, that, that the Lord will be with me more. Is the Lord? Is the Lord more with the first world churchgoer with their with their fancy clothes car carrying the Bibles and singing the hymns of the Lord with them more than he is with the uh, with the ex pagans in the jungle where nothing nothing but uh, a banana leaf or for a loincloth uh, attending near naked uh, to the to the little church with the, where the missionaries or is the Lord with them more who has it right the one who goes to the fancy building, stained glass, and the old traditions, or or the ex-pagans that are just just coming to uh, to the knowledge now, and the look at the way they're dressed, eating grubs and raw meat and drinking bowls of blood or whatever else. See, it's in the understanding of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about how I've clad the flesh. It's not about it's not about what I've abstained and what I've obtained. It's about what I believe. It's about what I believe. It's not it's not about have I appeased the Lord enough. He is appeased. We have his favor. Because we have his son. We are saved. When did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? He didn't. Though, though he was away from and like as if he was dead, but he wasn't. Because he was gone and the father was longing for his son to return and was longing for him to return. The son wasn't dead, didn't die, but he was, but he was away, but he came back. Because he longed to be with his father. There it is. The longing. The longing, the longing of the hope, the hope to come, the longing for the touch of Christ, the longing for the moving of the Spirit to give me the understanding, to show me where to go, to guide me in the day, to instruct me in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Word. It's in the longing. As we see in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, The poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek, and here we are, verse 6, they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The longing. I long to be with the Lord. I'm tired of my weaknesses. I'm tired of my weaknesses. It's truly unfortunate. There's such a higher grasp of understanding when we look at it in this way the, the the mystical mindset it, it, there's so much mist when people don't emphasize this enough in their lives they emphasize so much of the outward I gotta make sure I I, I I don't do this. I gotta make sure I do. It's not about that. Yes, there is an aspect 
where we should be in control of what we're doing and not doing and and making make, making sure that we resist the devil and, and making making sure that we don't sin but if we do sin to ask the lord to forgive us but it seems that with many christians that's all there is make sure i don't sin if i sin repent make sure i don't sin if i sin repent and that's all they look at the sin it's all they look at how uh, how sinful i am all i look at is is how how can i not sin make sure i don't sin uh, uh, is that sin and it's just that's all there is you realize it's more than that that we're supposed to be focusing on the lord jesus christ not our sin he saved us from the condemnation of our sin. He freed us from the weight of sin. Yes, our flesh is corrupted by it and does fight us, but we don't pay attention to that. What is the chaff to the wheat? We're walking in righteousness. We're clad in the, in, in the, in the robes of righteousness. We are saints of the Most High. Focus on Him. If this does happen, it, it happened. Dealt with it. Deal with it. Get back. The mindset is in heaven. The mindset is the throne. The mindset is to be on Christ. The mindset is to be on righteousness, on the light, the shining white light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? You see what I'm saying? But due to the push of the legalistic, pharisaical, cessationistic, dry religionists. And with their bias of terms, their hatred of certain words, they, they, they force us to be fearful of these things as well, to regulate ourselves, self-censor ourselves, to, hi to hide away these things because, well, no, no, you're, you're sounding too much like, like a charismatic. You're sounding too much like, like the world or something else. And, and we, we, it's, it's all about a knowledge war. So we only have a knowledge war, like John MacArthur says. But there is no miracles, signs, and wonders. All, uh, today, we, it's only a knowledge war. He's missed the point. He's missed it. He's missed it. But rather, what we see in the Word of God, as you see, John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of him will flow rivers of living water. Living water. Now, what is this? This is the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our lives by the good works and the deeds and, and the fruit and all these things will come as a natural byproduct as is repentance uh, uh, the penitent heart as you see as you see uh, the desire to love righteousness and hate iniquity it comes as a byproduct but these are things that naturally happen when what when you love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength so people then focus on the well i agree with that we need to love the lord with all our heart soul mind and strength hold up why'd you say it like that need to it's not a need to it's a want to it's something that happens naturally when you see what the lord has done for you the joy of the lord comes up and you love the lord your god it's not a need to where it now you have turned that into a daily a daily thing where you have to actively try 
to love the Lord your God. Why I need to make myself love the Lord my God in everything that I do. You've missed the point. You've missed the point. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts to put the Lord first. And so what we do is we have turned that now into a work. We have turned the loving of the Lord God into a work. We have turned the sanctifying of the Lord God in our hearts into a work. When it's not. It's not a work. It's not works. It's a mindset. It's a desire. It's a longing. It's faith. It's faith. Because I believe it. The Lord is now first. You don't make him Lord. He is Lord. That's where the Lordship salvationists have completely missed it. You don't make him Lord. He is Lord. And you've believed on him. And he is sanctified in your hearts because you have believed on him. You do love him because you have believed on him. You see this. You see this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. How? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Many say that miracles, supernatural manifestations, that this this whole thing that I'm talking about, this, this mysticism, biblical mysticism, was only for the early church time. And that uh, we now see a different dispensation and it's all different and all this... Well, yes, the apostles did have different gifts. And that there are some things that we don't see anymore today. As in, uh, for example, we see in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 to 10. Uh, tongues, uh, new divine revelations, uh, new impartations of knowledge of God. These these things, that the, the uh, foretelling, the Old Testament prophets type thing, foretelling future events, those have ended. The Bible says so. If you disagree, show me from the word of God how I'm wrong. Uh, without contradicting 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10. Yes, there was a different dispensation, but nowhere does it say that everything else is gone. Because where did the Lord stop working? We do see that he gave a new oracle, which is the word of God. And we no longer have human oracles like Old Testament prophets. This has replaced it. And the Lord has given us a new thing. But where did the Lord cease to be able to work miracles? Isn't an answered prayer a miracle? Isn't the saving of a soul a miracle? You see, when I pray, coincidences happen. Things happen. When I pray, things happen. When I don't pray, they don't happen. Who's answering my prayers? When I pray very specific things, and I get very, very specific answers. So we see the whole argument, the whole fight of cessationism, continuationism is 
stupid nonsense that they've missed the point. It's not about do they happen, do they don't happen. When has God ceased to be able? Are the missionaries who talk about the the great answers to prayer and the revivals and the great miracles in the missions field, are, are they all lying? Are they all delusional? No. So you do see there is there the Lord is able, the Lord does work. His word will not return void, but it goes and accomplishes that whereunto it is sent. Because you've asked, he answered. You sought for it, he helped you find. You knocked, he answered. Ask, you shall receive. Whatsoever you ask in uh, in faith, not doubting in your heart, you will receive that which you ask. The Lord is with us always, and he will help us in all things. The Lord doesn't change. His word doesn't change. The way it works doesn't change. The way it works. The way that, that, that Christianity is meant to be hasn't changed. In the fellowship and the longing to be with the person of Jesus Christ. That when you go out and you're preaching and witnessing and, you, and, and you're talking to people. How the Lord was with them physically dur- during the, 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 the first while well, he's walking with the disciples. And they'll be walking and talking and working miracles and teaching all this stuff. It's the same today, folks. It's the same. He's still walking with us. You can't see him, but he's there because he said he is. And we know he is. We feel his presence. We know he's there. Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. And he he hasn't changed. The faith hasn't changed. The teaching hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. And the fellowship hasn't changed. He is with us. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. My spirit, I, I, will, I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's with us always. The longing. The desire. The personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is missed by so many. That This understanding, this grasp, this closeness is missed by so many. Because they're looking on the outward. But what did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. It's faith. And the person of the spirit of Jesus Christ. What he's done for us. And in in what he is able to do. It's not about trying to earn brownie points. To build up enough stats and points and abilities. so uh, to, to earn enough favor so that God will do something. We see, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, He can heal. He can heal people. He helps people. He casts out the devils. He does all sorts of things. He he works the miracles and signs and wonders. We're not gods. We're not the workers of miracles. We are not the ones that that give out the power. Rather, the Lord uses us. Like when Peter and John went to the temple to pray. And there's the lame men. Silver and gold have I none. 
But such as I have, I do have something. I have Jesus Christ. But such as I have, give I thee. How do you give someone Jesus Christ? But such as I have, give I thee. What did he give? Faith. He believed God is able. Jesus Christ is able because I've seen Jesus do this. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know what he did for me. I know how he bled and died. I know how he's buried and rose again. I know how he claimed that uh, to be the divine. He proved it by many infallible proofs. He said it. He proved it. I know who he is. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know because he could do it and I know he can do it for you. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. But the thing is, and how all this works, it's in the attitude of the heart. It's, it's in the longing of the belief of faith. This is where the charismatics go wrong. They look at the abilities and not where it's coming from as much. They love the benefits of the faith without the doctrine. This is where the cessationists get it all wrong. They look at the doctrines, they look at the teachings, and they don't look at the benefit. It's one or the other. But you see what the Word of God teaches, it's right in the middle. See, the Charismatics want the benefits of the faith without the doctrine. As we see, for example, in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. And we see in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive the sin and heal their land. So we, so we see there is a right and wrong way to go about this. Because what if you're not humbling yourself? What if you're not repentant? What if you, you, you are not seeking his face? What if you're not turning from your wicked ways? Well, then the Lord will not hear you. The Lord will not hear you. As you see in James 1, 6-7, Psalm 6, 6, 18, Proverbs 28, 9, the Lord will not hear your prayers. Well, how is that fixed? How is that easily fixed? When you pay attention to the intention of why. For what purpose? What are you seeking to do? Well, because I'm a healer. No, you're not. You're deluded. No person is a healer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only healer. I know he can heal. I know he is able. I know who he is. And in that knowing, in that closeness of knowing, in that longing, is all in the cloud of that longing is the personal humility because I see who he is 
I see him, high and lifted up, my God, my King, my Savior, and in there is the fear of the Lord, with the repentance, the humility, the longing, the fellowship, the love, the praise, the rejoicing, it all comes. We do see the issue, and we all struggle with it. And this is where the Lord is graceful, the Lord is merciful. That, that when we start to corrupt our view, we start to fog up the window, and we can't see clearly. He gives us the rag to wipe it. He shows us again and again. By his word, his spirit reminds us and brings us back again and again and again and again. Oh, you're, you're getting off, you're getting off, you need to straighten out the line. Oh, you're getting off again, straighten out the line. He helps us. I don't have to struggle to keep myself in this spot, but rather, again, stop looking at the sin, stop looking at the fault, stop looking at the weakness, stop looking at the failing. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Why? Because the Lord is the one picking him up. We don't pick ourselves up. He picks us up. I can't pick myself up. When I try to pick myself up, I'm reminded again and again of my weakness. But when I look at him who is picking me up, I don't see my weakness anymore. Because all I see is his hand holding me. Does this make sense? 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. There'll be those who will try to corrupt this again and again. Such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And what, what's the first thing that they will try to get you to do? Look at yourself. Look at, look at what you're doing, making sure that I'm doing this right, do, and I'm staying away from that, I'm doing this, holding to this, I'm keeping this, do this, do that, and it's all about me, me, my, I, my ability, I, and every answer is answered in the first person. Me, me, I, I. Because I am able. Because I did this. Because I'm keeping that. Because I'm, I, I'm maintaining this. I'm abstaining from that. God loves me because I. God loves me because I. Missed it. Missed it. Mark, Mark 11, 22 to 24. You see, Jesus fights back against this. Because who do you have faith in? I have faith in... In, in my keeping of me, of me doing because of what I'm doing, I have faith in me. Or is it, do I have faith in Christ? Mark 11, 22, 24, Jesus answering says, have faith in God, in his abilities, faith, believing, trust. Are you trusting in your ability to keep yourself right? Or are you trusting in his ability to hold you despite what you're doing? Despite your failings despite your, your, your weaknesses, despite your sin. He's holding you. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. What would cause us to doubt? 
Well, I doubt that God is able because I did a thing wrong. I didn't know you were that powerful. I didn't know that your personal sin, your personal weakness, invalidates the ability of God. But isn't that what we tell ourselves again and again all the time? We deceive ourselves. Thinking that somehow my inability erases the ability of God. Or rather, is God still able despite my stupidity, despite my inability? Hmm? Shall not doubt in his heart. But, but the Jesus did say, if you doubt in your heart, in your heart. He didn't say in your mind. He didn't say in your mind. He says in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart, it's talking about the belief of faith. The, the fleshly mind will always doubt and always fear and always fret and always worry. Moses was just a man. He's just like you and me. He struggled. He had a lot of fear. And and sure enough, when the standing by the sea, back to back east the sea, Egypt barreling down, and everyone else around him freaking out. And he calls upon the Lord, and the Lord, what does the Lord say? Worry not. Stand still, fear not. I'm with you. And Moses trusted. He believed of his heart. He believed. Sure, he'd be shaken. Others are shaken. We shake all the time. But the Lord still comes through. It's of the heart. The mind will make the dust, but the heart overrides. No, but the Lord said. And we answer our fears with the Lord said. But the Lord said. But the Lord promised. I don't doubt the Lord. He cannot lie. He's never betrayed me. He's never failed me. He's with me always. Who are you doubting? Him or yourself? Who are you doubting? Are you doubting your salvation because you can't do something right? Or are you doubting your salvation because you don't really believe the Lord can hold you? Who are you doubting? Faith in what? Faith in whom? It's in the Lord. Not in yourself. Not doubting in your heart is holding the belief of faith in your heart. Even when the rest of your body is shaking in fear, your knees are knocking, your heart is steady and rock solid. Oh, the enemy may be surrounding you and 10,000 may fall by your side, but you know that the Lord is with you and it doesn't matter what happens to your flesh. Though, though he slay me, you will let trust in him. Fear not him which can kill the body. I fear the Lord. My, knee, my knees may be knocking, but I trust in the living God who is able. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Do you believe the things that the Lord has said shall come to pass? Do you believe it? Do you truly believe and hold that in your heart? No matter what this world does to you, no matter what comes down the road, what comes down the line, you know, you know that the Lord is able. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord can bring it to pass? Just as sure as you know that the sun rises in the morning, his mercies are new every morning. You trust in the living God. He shall have whatsoever he say. The Lord will answer. The Lord will help. He will make a way in the wilderness. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. What are you desiring? 
closeness with the Lord, to be close with the Lord, to see the hand of the Lord at work in your life and at those around you to bring them to revival of heart and mind and faith and understanding so that they too can join you in the praises of God. You shall have whatsoever you ask. Because it honors him. It glorifies him. It shows his power. It, sh it shows the longing of the heart of the saint. And the Lord is with you. The Lord is able. Colossians 4, 2-6. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. To speak the mystery of Christ. I may not know everything about him, but I believe on him. I believe in him and through him and to him and all things. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a great mystery to me. Why me? Why me? Why would he love a sinner such as I? Why does he care? I may not understand. I may not be able to answer all the things about him. But I love him, and I trust in him, and I believe on him with all my heart. And I speak of him to everyone else around me. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which, also I, uh, for which I am also in bonds. The world may oppose me, oppress me, hate me, persecute me. They may arrest me and beat me. They may even kill me. But so be it. You can't make me doubt the Lord. You can't make me hate the Lord. You can't make me fall away from the Lord. I will never ever speak against him walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man consider consider your salvation all right consider your salvation the moment you got saved all right the same faith that you have in Jesus Christ for your salvation, the same faith you have in Christ to be saved, you place the exact same faith on the rest of the story. You believed in, in the promises of Christ unto salvation. Why would the rest of his promises be weaker? Why would the rest of his promises be optional? Why would the rest of his promises be questioned? Why would you not trust in the rest of his promises? The same faith you have in Jesus Christ unto salvation is the same faith you have in the rest of the story. It's literally true. Because it's all true. He cannot lie. He gave us his whole word. The sea actually split. The jar of oil really did not run out. The dead actually came to life. The iron axe head actually floated. The staff of Moses literally turned into a snake. Jesus and Peter walked on the water. Then Jesus turned the water to wine. We fed the thousands with a cup of bread and fish. Look at all the things that he did. He touched the lepers and they're instantly healed. He spoke a word and Lazarus came floating out of the tomb. These things actually happened. To be mystically minded is to keep our minds on these things. This transcends ordinary human knowledge. This is, this is beyond. This is so beyond the natural. This is so beyond our world. 
Our world is blind to this, doesn't get it, can't see it, can't grasp it, transcends ordinary human knowledge. And you know, by having a relationship with the Most High God, these things become a natural part of our lives. Why would you not believe that? Why would you doubt that? Why would you fear that? Why would you question that? We are children of the Most High God. We see things, know things, have things that the ordinary man is just literally incapable of even remotely grasping. It takes the moving of the Spirit of the Lord upon them to open their eyes so that they can even get a glimpse of it. Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 6, 46. And have that enlightenment. We are enlightened by the Spirit of Christ. We are taught by the living God. God Almighty speaks to us. And we speak to Him in a two-way conversation. We ask of Him. He moves His hand into our lives and He opens doors for us. He speaks strength and life and provision to us. He, he, he makes a way in the wilderness to us. He involves himself, God Almighty, who knows all, sees all, everywhere present, who spoke the universe into existence, is walking by my side, working miracles in my life. Why would I doubt this? Why would I question this? He who clothed, closed the mouths of the lions for Daniel. He who stopped the, the raging inferno for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that the fire would not even touch them. And even the smell of smoke and heat wasn't even on them. That was, It was so hot that the soldiers, even getting near it, dropped dead from the sheer heat of it. And they walked around in it like it was a nice sunny warm day. And behold, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire. And the fourth has the appearance of the Son of God. Our Lord Jesus walks with us in the fire of this world. He walks with us and he helps us and protects us so that we not be harmed. He gives us strength to stand. Teaches us where to go, what to say. He, he teaches us how to pray. The mystically minded are those who see this, know this, hold to this, believe this, trust this, and speak this in a reality and the zealousness and the fervency and the seriousness and the truth of these things. This is true, folks. It's not just a religion. It's not just dry religionism. It's not, it's not cessationism versus continuationism. It's none of those things. It's not about the orthodoxy. It's not about the buildings. It's not about the stained glass. It's not about the do's and do nots. It's not about the, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. Elijah was not some special mystic man where he conjured fire. But rather he was a servant of the Most High God who is zealous in his belief of the Lord. He was zealous in his belief of the Lord. That the Lord God can bring fire. And even if he doesn't, I'm not going to doubt him. 
even if the Lord doesn't cause the fire to not burn us, I'm not going to betray him. Even if the Lord doesn't close the mouths of the lions, I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to deny him. Even, even if the Lord never worked a single thing in my life, that even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Because it's all about him, because I know who he is. I know him. I know that he is true. I know what he said is true. I know he cannot lie. I know he is not the author of confusion. I know he's the most high God. I know that at his very name, the devils tremble. I know that at the preaching of the cross, the gates of hell shake and the bars of hell shake. I know that when the name of Jesus is preached and magnified, Satan runs for cover. I know that when I call upon the Most High God, all heaven can hear his robes rustle as he bends his ear down to hear me. I know that, that when I serve the Most High God, his eyes are ever beholding me. I know that when, that, that when I serve the Lord, his hands are always working with me, because I know who he is, because he said he would, because he promised he would, and I will not doubt him these things actually happened these things are true but sometimes sometimes we don't really think about this as actually being real world literal and we can sometimes push it back in our minds to forget the literality of it Actual supernatural miracles, 100% literal, real, possible, because God doesn't change. His workings don't change. So does that mean then, as Jesus said to some, according to your faith, be it unto you. Where some people, they struggle with this, and they struggle and struggle, and they doubt, and they doubt, well, is it possible, is it possible? And the reason they don't see anything, the reason why they don't really see much of answer to prayer and all this, because according to thy faith be it unto you. Well, the Lord does say, if you doubt in your heart, you won't receive. The Lord did say, James 1, 6 to 7, Psalms 66, 18, Proverbs, 28, uh, Proverbs 22, we see that the Lord says, the wavering in your faith, you receive nothing of the Lord. So how can we fight back at the at weak faith? Oh, ye of weak faith. Oh, ye of weak faith. You see, the first thing that we need to realize is the Lord's abilities are not increased or diminished by my belief. The Lord's abilities don't change, but rather it's his response. It's his response to our lives. When I question his veracity by my doubts, the Lord will not honor that because that's disrespectful. When you disrespect God by doubting in your faith, 
he's not going to respond to that because you disrespected him. But if you respect the Lord, fear the Lord, honor the Lord, love the Lord, he honors that. Those who honor me, I will honor. According to your faith, be it unto you. The thing is that all this is not of us. It's not about me, but it's about him. My doubting, I need to ask the question, why, what, how? My fears, why? What am I fearing? What am I doubting? Who am I doubting? Why well, doubt myself? I know I am not able. But in the midst of my doubting of myself, I know that he compensates, so to speak. He compensates this by, he, by, by giving me more grace, more understanding, drawing me closer, wrapping his arms around me that much tighter, holding onto my hand that much tighter. He holds me. He helps me. He picks me up more often. He realizes that my knees are weaker, so he needs to wrap his arm around me that much tighter. The sheep that's struggling to walk, sometimes he picks it up and puts it across his shoulders. The Lord helps me. When I am weak, then I am strong, as the Word of God says. We have nothing to do with the manifestation of gifts. We only speak as the Spirit of God gives us utterance. As you see in 1 Corinthians 12, 1-11, all things come from the Spirit of God. He is the one that guides us in the moment as He sees fit. He gives us the words and guides our steps as He directs. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. What needs to be done? He will help us in doing it, even if that means carrying us. If you so ask him to carry you. You realize your weakness, your weak knees, weak ankles, and you can't hardly stand for fear and doubt and all the rest of this. But in your heart, you know, in your heart, you burn for the living God and you know that he is able. So you say, Lord, I, I, I'm scared. Like Moses, terrified of Pharaoh. What did the Lord do? Carried him. Helped him. Gave him that much more grace. Sent Aaron to even speak for him. Okay, fine then. If you're too scared to speak, I'll send you Aaron who'll speak for you. He gives us more grace. But to trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, that he will help you even in your weaknesses. Grace, God's grace, is the compensation to our fear. A great example I once heard on this. The father sits on his throne, has no need of a body. The Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, seated on the right hand of the father, already has a body, has no need of a further body. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, that lives in the heart of every believer, has need of a body. 
Will you give him yours? Will you let go? Surrender the authority to your life? Die to self, give up, throw in the towel. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for trying to control my, my life, for trying to take control, take ownership, taking authority, calling the shots myself. Lord, I'm sorry. Take over. I'm done. Do with me what you will. Show me where to go. Carry me, Lord, if need be. But I want to serve you. Lord, help me. Forgive my weak faith. Being able to be completely used and directed so that we don't need to worry or doubt anything we say or pray because, well, it's the Lord that has given me the words. He's the one that gives me the message. He's the one that, is, that tells me what to do. My life now is the Lord's life. Whether I live or die, rich or poor, healthy or sick, strong or weak, that's his call. The Spirit of God will give us the words with which to say in the moment. He will teach us to pray as we ought. The steps of a righteous man will be guided because we're praying without ceasing, loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Nothing is left of ourselves. And thusly we become channels through which God can work freely. It is not ourselves that decrees or declares, but God through us. It's not our ability or powers, it's God through us it's not us teaching and preaching but the spirit through us this is what the charismatics continuationists and cessationists and all of the dry religionists don't understand it's right in the middle it's all the knowledge and doctrine and obedience coupled with the absolute belief in the supernatural in direct relationship with jesus christ both if ye abide in me and my words abide in you god is a person with emotions personal attributes characteristics god is personal and desires a close relationship with each of us and those closest to him are able to manifest aspects of that relationship because the lord is closer and working more in their lives the devotional life is the time we spend in communication, discussion, building a life with the person of God. You see, flippancy, religiosity, and traditionalizing this relationship is irreverent and disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the person of God. If we were to treat our spouses and loved ones as many treat God, how well do you think those relationships would last? What are the manifestations of the interpersonal relationships of such a, of such a state if we were to treat our spouses like that? What would that look like? What would be the evidences? How would that be seen and observed by others? What would it look like, sound like, feel like? Maybe that's what's wrong with many of our relationships with God, why many of us are struggling. So therefore we must remember, as Isaiah 62, verses 6 to 7 says, let's go there, Isaiah 62, 
verse 6 to 7. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. But look at look what it says here. Remembrancers of the Lord, give him no rest day nor night. You see, God doesn't go to bed. God doesn't have his own personal time. God doesn't go wandering off and, and he, he needs his own alone time. He's always available 24-7, 365 at every tick of the clock. Make mention of the Lord. Keep not silence. Give him no rest day nor night. That we should seek that at every opportunity to seek that because I want that because I long for that why would you not want to why would you not want to and that's why we don't see revivals today because with so many Christians they're apathetic to that flippant to that they're not taking that seriously they're not taking that seriously that their relationship with God is not so much as as a deep personal intimate relationship but rather their their relationship with the lord is more like an acquaintance he's the god of the church building he's the god of the prayer meeting he's he's the god god at the beginning of the meal but all the rest of the day he's forgotten and then we wonder why we don't see the power of the lord manifested in our lives because because we have given him rest but it says give him no rest Give him no rest. We see the idea of the mystically minded is that you are sick and tired of this world and you don't want to live in it anymore. You've actually picked up your residence, everything that, that is of you, and you've moved it over to the spiritual plane and you live in the spiritual plane. 24-7, 365, giving God no rest. That's what defines you. This is who you are. That's your life. But, but the vast majority of Christians are terrified of that reality. Terrified of living by faith. Terrified of surrendering to the Lord. They, they, they believe in the Lord for salvation. They've surrendered their soul, but they won't surrender their lives. They won't. They love the idea of it. They, they love it when other people do it. It's, it's, this is like evangelism. Everyone loves evangelism as long as someone else is doing it. They love hearing the stories of it. Oh, they love watching the testimonies and hearing the testimonies of other people that have done it. But no, I, I, I don't want to do it. The reality of God and his ways is being literal person. The spiritual plane is literal, tangible. It's real. This will ward off apathy. This award off forgetfulness. The physical reality is putty. 
The physical reality is putty that is molded by the hands of praying faith. That the Lord answers our prayers and we see the manifestation of this. We ask of the Lord and he answers. Just like when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't happen. How is that? How does that happen? God is not held to the laws of physics and neither should our thinking. But our praying reflects the laws of physics so much as we doubt we doubt the reality, the veracity of these things. We love the idea of it. We, we love the idea, the thought that they happened long ago. But we struggle with the belief that they can happen today, that the sick can be healed, the dead can be raised, prayers are answered, the, 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 the weak are made strong. And we see just the discouraged are encouraged and on and on. You pray for someone who's in need and it just happens and we're so surprised. Why are you so surprised? Why are we surprised? Like, like it's it's a shock. Like, how, how could this have happened? Did you not ask God? Did you not ask, ask him who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who spoke the world into existence, he who is the almighty? Did you not ask of him? Ask you shall receive. Why are you so shocked when you receive? Why are you so shocked when he when, when he responds? Dear Lord, could you please help me with this? Yes, I will help you. God spoke to me. Why are you so shocked when he responds? It, it should be so matter of fact. Like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Not even a question. It, it's uh, so bold. You mock the false prophets of Baal. So bold. You could just walk right up before Caesar, like Apostle Paul. Walking right up before Nero, the madman himself, who burned Rome to the ground. That kind of a man who slaughtered the Christians, slaughtered the saints. Madman Nero. Paul just walked right up before him and gave him the gospel. So bold that they went right up before the Sanhedrin, whether seem ready to, to obey you or not, we ought to obey God rather than men. So the Pharisees then beat them, commanded them not to speak Jesus, and kicked them out. What they do? Went to went to the synagogues and the temple, started preaching Jesus. So bold, you start praising the Lord in the dungeon, and whether or not He opens the gates or not, that's that's not your intention. Your intention is not to open the gates. Your intention is to worship the Lord, and He responds by honoring and favoring this, blessing this by opening the doors. But even if He didn't, and like the prophet was it Micah, the prophet Micah, who wound up being thrown in the sewer for several years, he lived in the sewage. Because they, the kings, all of them hated him so much, they threw him in the sewage and shut it down, and they, he had to live in there for several years. Whether or not I'm in the sewage or the dungeons, on the mountaintops and the valleys, doesn't matter where I am, what I am, or what situation I find myself in, I'm serving the Lord because he must be praised. The mystically minded doesn't care what happens to the outward flesh. The mystically minded doesn't care what this world does to the body. The mystically minded doesn't care, uh, it doesn't fear or worry about him who can kill the body. Doesn't care, like John the Baptist, if you have to eat grasshoppers and wild honey. I'd rather not. 
I'd rather not. But even if so be, then so be it. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord where I am, whatever, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am. The situations, the circumstances don't dictate to me the reality. Because there's only one true reality, and that is the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said, whatsoever ye desire, ask, because when we are living in complete communion with the Lord, our asking will be in line with his, because the Spirit of God is then telling us what to ask. You see that? You see that? What, what is the will of God? That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe on Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, out of you will flow springs of living water. He says, don't worry about the outward. Don't worry about the world. Don't worry about the goings-on. Don't worry about the do's and do-nots. Don't, don't get focused on the do's and do-nots. Get focused on Jesus Christ. Peter was not watching his feet to make sure that he was stepping right. Peter wasn't, wasn't looking at his hands to make sure he was swinging his hands right. He was looking at Jesus Christ. And he didn't care where his feet fell. didn't care how his hands were swinging. He didn't care what was going around him. And he was walking on the water because his eyes were on Christ. It's only when he took his eyes off Christ, started focusing on himself and his own feelings and his fears and the waves, he sunk. His word is absolute does not change, is above his very name, is preserved unto all generations. So why would the abilities of God not be for today? Think about this. Think about this. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord teach? The Lord says, the Lord says, I am the way, the way in which to walk. I am the way, the way in which to pray. I am the truth of what we are to believe. I am the life that we are supposed to live, to be Christ-like, like Christ. In, in treatment, in thought, in word, in sense, working, walking, believing, to imitate him. Not, uh, not fearing or doubting, but in all boldness, because the Lord has given us authority. He has given us his spirit, and he invites us to walk with him. He told us to go in his name, doing the same things that he did. So why do we doubt it? Why would we question it? Why would we question it? Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth. So shall my word go forth. As it has gone forth, it will not return into me again void. And they went forth. Like his word going forth. His word is spoken in boldness. We go in boldness, speaking it in boldness. Preaching in boldness. Everywhere. Doesn't matter who they are, what they are, whether they like it or not, they need to hear it. 
work and the Lord will work with us always the good days and the bad the Lord is with us in the sunny days and the storms he's with us and the days of gladness and the days of tears he's with us in the days of peace and the days of pain he's with us in the days of hunger and the days of being full he's with us in every season of every day of every hour of every tick of the clock of every moment and every praise and every grief he is with us and he says i am able because you are not i am able because you are not the lord works with us working the signs he works the wonders he confirms the word he proves the point he proves the validity he is the justifier of the saints my works are not my justifiers my works do not justify me christ justifies me because he is my salvation he is my sanctification he is my consecration he is my everything the lord says he confirms the word he he declares salvation he declares the righteousness when i see this i when i when i think on this i realize how weak i am how frail i am and so when i focus on what i think on is the unseen reality and desiring to make it be seen. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want the unseen reality to be seen. What I want is I want the hidden mysteries that transcend ordinary human knowledge to be understood. I what I desire has how I know God. I desire that others would also know. Sheep make sheep. So what I desire is that others would see as I see. Others would believe as I believe. That others would see Christ how I see him. As God, as Savior, as Redeemer. When my desires, my longings become the longings of the Lord, that the Lord can work with. Because the Lord, He desires that others would see Him. God is not willing that any should perish, but God commends all men everywhere to repent. But God, but God he, he, he is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world because He so loved the world. And his desire is that all would see him, all would know him, all would come to the knowledge of him, and all would believe on him, and all would come to be with him. So when all that is left of you is a longing, a longing for a truth to become a reality. When you, when you understand that, when you see that, 
then you're starting to understand the mystical mind. The mind that desires the mysteries, that longs for the mysteries. The, the mind that loves the mysteries of God. Jesus said, Come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from ourselves. Rest from the world. Rest from our fears. And thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Our minds are stayed. It's about the mind. It's a battle for the mind, folks. It's a battle for the mind. What, what, why are you doing what you're doing? What do you long for? Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why are you praying that way? What are you seeking? What are you trying to do? Let go. It's not about you. It's simpler. It's simple faith. It's simple faith. It's about a longing. Fight for the longing. Hope that makes sense. So just something I just wanted to talk about today. Just wanted to get off my chest just to discuss what is born again Christianity. It's much, it's much, much more. It's much, much more than just the religious observances. It's much, much more than, than just seeking after the knowledge. What does the word of God say? What does it say about salvation? What does it say about the cross? What does it say about Jesus Christ? Now, how can I make this? Now, it's not so much as how can I make this, but how can I see this in my life? To make the unseen seen. To make the unseen seen. It says in Hebrews 6, verses 4 to 6, how they are given a glimpse of. They're given a glimpse of. Now, with our physical eyes, actual, visibly, we may not actually see the person, but in our hearts and in our minds, we see him. We see him. We know him. We know it's real. We know it is. We've seen it. We know it. It's true. Desire that others would show them, tell them. The Lord will honor that. Some things to think about. So I hope this uh, is a help and a comfort and an encouragement. Just something I just want to talk about. So I know it's a bit different for today generally we do our q a's here so um if you have any comments questions on this topic as we've discussed please go ahead ask away be glad to hear from you if you appreciate these studies please give this a like as a thumbs up and make sure you subscribe hit notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos uh, this message here today is just meant to be an encouragement, to help to get you to think, to make you think, to, to see things a bit differently. What does the Word of God say about these things? So I hope this, this causes you to contemplate the mysteries of the Word of God. 
I hope this helps you to consider and think about and and mull on meditate on the the knowledge that transcends ordinary human knowledge the mysteries that transcend ordinary human knowledge think about these things what does the word of God say what does it teach there you go all right so with that we'll wrap it up there thank you so much for joining in uh, also please don't forget to check out our website christiancoffeetime.ca we have links to all our other platforms and goodies and we also have free downloadable gospel track pdfs and if you would like to uh, see more uh on, on this kind of topic check out our playlist um uh, uh, sp- uh biblical spiritual gifts uh we have uh, a ton of videos in there all about these things and more um if you would like our notes on this study from our website, you click on the Reddit link. The top link you'll see on our library of topics on Reddit. Click on that, scroll down. You'll see in there about uh, continuation versus cessationism and other things on uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. What does the Bible say about these things, the spiritual gifts and whatnot? If you need help finding the links, let us know. We'll help We'll help uh, get them to you. So with that, we'll wrap that up there. So thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.